0: Alright, welcome back to another episode of the Burden of Proof, a JC Law podcast. I'm your host, Tyler Lewis, and I've got uh, Peter Crawford here. Peter. Hey Tyler, how are you doing? Good, how are you? Good. What we got going on today? We're gonna to discuss alimony and spousal support. Yeah, today we're
1: actually gonna be joined by a very special guest, Abigail Beichler, who is the vice president here at JC Law, the domestic department. She is a phenomenal, phenomenal domestic law attorney, and she's been practicing how long now?
2: About five years.
1: We've done a lot in those five years, haven't you?
2: <laughs> They've certainly been jam packed.
1: Good. <laughs> um, so, in addition to Abby, we're also going to have uh, Park Panshall join us as a who is a junior associate, um, and he's going to discuss a little bit about his background and experience here at JC Law as well. But without further ado, let's get into the alimony and spousal support with Abby.
2: Great.
1: So. What are some of the basic parameters for earning spousal support in alimony as part of a divorce decree? Or in other words, what are some of the general scenarios where someone would qualify for it?
2: Sure. Um, So the reality is that there are factors that have to be considered when alimony is granted in any case or requested, Um, but there isn't a cookie cutter set of rules or guidelines that are going to guarantee alimony the court, you know, under the case law or the statutes required to make considerations based on the 12 enumerated factors um, in the Maryland eleven one hundred six statute. And so there are two kinds of alimony. You know, we're, we talk about rehabilitative versus um, indefinite alimony and learning what to ask as, as a litigant and as an attorney is really important to make sure that you are pursuing the right thing mm-hmm. um, and that you have the correct tools to do so. Um, most typically we see, you know, alimony where there is a really significant earning disparity. Um, but the primary function of alimony is to ensure that a less financially stable um, party be, is able to have the opportunity to become financially stable. What
1: does that usually include? Does it include education? Does it include just just straight payments for the next five years? What is-
2: Sure. So things that the court needs to consider, you know, in addition to the reason for the breakdown of the marriage, the reason for the separation are things like a party's age and health. Okay. You know, that is a significant consideration. Is there something that prohibits this person from becoming self-supporting? Is there a health issue that precludes them from working a full day, mm-hmm. from earning additional um, education or skills training? That That's a huge factor. Um, and then looking at things like, you know, what they had coming into the case um, or to the marriage, where they, how the property is likely to be distributed, mm-hmm. um, how long it would take them to get acquainted with those skills and to gain that earning potential um, are all things that are really important in the consideration of outlook.
1: But would you say the first? Factor you kind of look at is the disparity of income between the parties.
2: Sure, I mean the reality is that if parties don't have some kind of disparity in their incomes, mm-hmm. alimony is not going to be granted. Right. We're not we're not going into a case with a party who makes 000, a hundred thousand and party who makes ninety or fifty and forty, mm-hmm. and seeing alimony granted because the parties are relatively equally situated. There is some some leeway for. You know, if a party is making $50,000 but has a skill set that they could potentially make much more, Mm -hmm. that serenely is evaluated. Um, But if the parties make relatively the same amount, particularly if there are kids, Mm -hmm. your child support is likely to be awarded, then you're not really going to see alimony.
1: Fair enough. Fair enough. So it kind of goes against society's thought process of once you enter into marriage, there's going to be automatic alimony awarded in every case. And that's not really the case.
2: No. um, Mm -hmm. Actually, pretty far from it. So there was a point in time where the courts really deferred to this kind of indefinite alimony scenario and certainly um, different states have different factors and different laws to assess alimony. Um, but that was a very, it was a statute of provision created when there was a disparity inherently between families because most families um, at that point in time, were male and female families, mm-hmm. and you had a partner who was staying home, and another partner who was going to work.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, With so, the way that things have changed, that's just not a- an equal um, assessment.
0: So speak to that a little bit. Um, like, how do you kind of see it more often than not? Now, it's it could be the the male that's awarded the alimony or spousal support as opposed to that at home female that's that familial sort of role that she played that she was always staying at home then she would get alimony and spousal support do you see that kind of flipping and kind of changing
2: of course I mean you know at this point with the lay of the land and and society um, and really the horizons expanding and everyone becoming much more understanding of fluidity and things like that. You know, the the roles are not ascribed to a gender or a a stereotypical gender. Um, So it really is just based on an assessment of who these people are, where they are in the marriage and what they're doing. You know, if there is a spouse, regardless of who they are, who was historically the, the homemaker, you know, taking care of the kids, taking care of the home, whatever, um, they're going to have a much stronger case for alimony either way. Mm-hmm. You know, if there is a financially dominant spouse, that mm-hmm. person is going to have some risk inherent in any kind of case like this for alimony. All
1: right, so let's shift gears just a little bit to talk about how it relates to child support. Sure. What are the differences and what's the similarities? Is it possible to get both simultaneously or does the presence of the children make it uh, child support by default?
2: Sure. Um, so it's entirely possible to have both child support and alimony. Um, the award of alimony is considered in, as part of child support. You know, child support goes by guidelines. That There are guidelines the court is obligated to consider, except in specific scenarios, I'm sure you'll get into on a later um, episode of the podcast. Um, but that is math. Easy math, you know, assuming that you, you have a W-2 employee, a 1099 employee, etc. cetera. L&E does not have um, guidelines. There are guidelines that you can use that are persuasive, um, and those are most typically called the Kaufman guidelines that will give you some idea of what you may be able to negotiate for or ask for, but the court's not required to adhere to them and to consider them. Um, you know, they're truly persuasive at best. So that's a, a key difference. Mm-hmm. You don't know what you're likely to get or what you're required to get in alimony. You do know what's gonna happen in child support unless there's a debate about income. So um, it
1: really goes to how the judge views the situation, how you advocate for that client. Of course. And that's when the attorney really comes in handy, huh?
2: Of course. Um, it, the attorney also comes in handy for now I going to hire an expert so you know the health and education of a party may require a vocational expert for an alimony um, particularly an alimony defense if a party's coming in and saying I don't have the ability to earn money mm-hmm. having a vocational expert assess that person to assess that claim mm-hmm. is critical you know, having a, an expert, a financial expert, come in and assess the financial situations of the parties mm-hmm. is gonna be critical. Um, and that, again, is, is a way that it differs from custody and child support.
1: So, in terms of experts, does the expert look at just the potential, or is it also like, they kinda of call the other person out and say, hey, that's not true. I mean, what's the extent of the expert's expertise this picture.
2: Of course. They, they have to look at the full picture. You know, that, that is legation 101 is building a picture based on historical data, based on discovery, based on the documents that you have, and then digging one layer further to see is there something we're missing? Is this a person who has a doctorate who is for some reason working you know, a, a normal retail job. Mm-hmm. Um, all of that needs to be considered, and an expert can be really critical in identifying those things in a financial statement, in a um, retirement account statement that somebody else may miss, mm-hmm. that lend themselves to a greater earning potential or, or more financial stability.
1: So, are they required to work at their highest potential? Is that a requirement under under the statute, or is that just something that they consider?
2: Unless there is a compelling reason that someone is not working at their highest potential, a health reason, a child that they need to take care of, then yeah.
1: (laughs) What if it's like just work-life balance, though? What if they say, listen, I'm done working the 60 hours, 70 hours a week. I want to work a normal 40-hour job or 40-hour-a-week job, and uh, I'm done with that. I don't want to make that much.
2: So the court is not going to... um, shackle anyone (laughs) to a job that's miserable or that they hate. But the court is going to give a lot of credence and a lot of consideration to what the historical practice during the marriage is. Mm -hmm. You know, if if this is someone who's been doing this for 30 years, and all of a sudden, conveniently at the time of divorce, they no longer want to do that. That's going to be a problem. That's something that we talk to our clients about um, because there is something related particularly to alimony called voluntary impoverishment. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, you know, if there's a finding of voluntary impoverishment, there is an exposure to counsel fees. So the, the things start adding up and being really related in these cases. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, realistically, the court's probably going to look to ha- assume that someone's going to maintain the status quo of what they've done thus far.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, that makes, makes a lot of sense. I feel like it's, it makes a lot more sense than people actually think it does within society right there's there's a few misconceptions that we have about alimony sure so if you expand upon those misconceptions just a little bit more
2: sure um so there it was a, a much larger misconception before october 1st 2023 when the divorce laws in maryland changed they changed pretty drastically and really eradicated a lot of grounds for divorce we only have three left um, fault it is something that we hear a lot when we talk to clients when we're talking to potential clients about you know, my husband, my wife, my significant other, my spouse is so horrible, they're the reason that we the marriage broke down, that okay. you were unfaithful, whatever. It is related, but it's not a guarantee. You know, right. alimony is not a sanction for misconduct in a marriage, right. which is a really common misconception. Mm-hmm. The court is not going to just automatically award alimony because your spouse deserted the home. Um, they're not even grounds for divorce. Mm-hmm. It is considered, it is an enumerated factor. Mm-hmm. Um, so adultery
1: is considered an alimony. It's just, like you said, it's not one of those, you did it, therefore we check the box, yeah. and now you get paid.
2: No, it's not an open and slam <laughs> show, but right. case, um, but it is absolutely considered, and it's important. It's also considered in property division. Mm-hmm. Um, other misconceptions are you know, the, the thought that indefinite alimony is A, really easy to get, or B, really likely. Mm-hmm. The um, Maryland court has made very clear that indefinite alimony is reserved for really drastic scenarios um, where there is never going to be an ability for the, these people to earn the same amount, where a spouse is never likely to become truly financially supporting, or at least not in any kind of a reasonable period where rehabilitative alimony would be appropriate. Um, so, I know
1: we're speaking in generalities here, but do you think sure. that's, that's mostly concerning a marriage that's been... 25 years long. The one spouse hasn't really been self-supporting for that long. It's very hard for them to go back to school, get an education, and actually make the type of money they would have made had they actually done it in the first place. Right.
2: You're looking at a long marriage. So, you know, everyone feels that their marriage is long, (laughs) particularly if it's ending. Um, But you're looking at probably 20 plus years in a marriage. A serious gap in work history or...
1: You know being absent from the workforce, all right. This is gonna be our segment of <laughs> on the he's a new junior associate here at JC Law, and he's actually an old friend of mine that I went to law school with. Yes, so, sir. without further ado, here's uh, Parth Panchow.
0: Well, nice to meet you guys, nice to Welcome. see you, nice <laughs> to meet you. Um, so how long have you guys known each other just through law school? Yeah, yeah. Just through law school,
3: just through law school, yes. Nice. Yeah, I mean, as soon as I walked in, I saw we got another six foot monster. So, <laughs> so, the first thing I asked him, was, Hey. You know it's it's cool let's play basketball (laughs) we played a few times and this
1: guy's actually got some pretty good moves all right all right we'll have to see it i gotta say i I might have beat him once or twice but (laughs) uh, (laughs) the things you say for the camera
3: huh (laughs) (laughs)
1: so let's uh talk about your background how did you get into wall in the first place
3: yeah sure so um you know growing up i like many of us, didn't know exactly what I wanted to do. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, I knew I wanted to kind of help people, and I thought maybe going into law enforcement was one of those ways. I give it a shot. You know, I, I you know, in, in college, I was um, part of the University of Maryland, where I went um, police force. Mm-hmm. I will say it wasn't it wasn't something that I that I like to do day to mm-hmm. day, um, and and I started to kind of wonder, figure out what is best for me, but what is also best for what I want to accomplish, Mm -hmm. and that is, you know, being able to touch people's lives. I looked into the legal field, and and I saw the vast amount of things you can do, um, and and the people you can, you know, get in connection with, Mm -hmm. Um, and so, I, you know. I mean, the amount of people you meet
1: uh, just on a weekly basis here at the firm, it's insane. It's not just the clients, it's opposing counsel, it's judges. It's people in the courtroom, it's um, retired judges, other people in the profession. It's just, you're constantly meeting and touching other people's lives. Exactly, exactly, and every
3: day is a challenge, right? And that's that's one thing that drives me as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, last thing I wanted, things that we don't. But everything is a cha- every day is a challenge, and, and, and I love that part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I got into, I went to law school. I took the LSAT, first of all, one of the worst exams I've ever. <laughs> yeah, you know they're about to actually eliminate the LSAT? Are they? Yeah, I think in 2025 they're gonna
1: remove the LSAT. <laughs>
3: <laughs> like, uh, if we went through it, they got to go through right. it. They, yeah, uh, they as well just keep it in perpetuity. Yeah. At least, <laughs> right. But um, took the LSAT, you know, uh, applied to a couple of places. It was, you know, in the, in the beginning of COVID, so there was a lot going on. Um, but, you know, we, we got into a school, met Pete, and, you know, saw how things were in school. And, and, I, and I just immediately clicked. I loved what I was learning about. I loved their day-to-day, you know, challenges in the classroom, cold call. You guys are familiar with cold call. It's essentially you sit and you get called on mm-hmm. on anything and everything, mm-hmm. and you better know the answer. Or you know, yes, the, be the Socratic method. And what I found so interesting about that during law school
1: is it, it really it brings you out of your shell, right? So you go into law school with one personality, and you come out with a completely, completely changed personality because you're forced to talk in front of people. Right. And if you're an introvert, you have got to be extroverted at least for a little bit right. during class. Uh, you're forced to be able to speak on the spot. You've got to think analytically uh, very, very well. you got to be able to read and comprehend that reading very, very well. And All these skills that you pick up are invaluable skills that really uh, shape and transform your life
3: forever. Exactly. Exactly. I agree. I agree. I mean, we take a day at a time, but uh, it, it, you're learning every day. learn learning something in every day, and not just about love, but about yourself so it's, it's one of the most you know, amazing things about this field and this profession
0: cool Yeah. so kind of uh talk to us what brought you here specifically sort of, uh, what brought you to jc law not just yeah uh, sitting to my left here yeah so it's it's funny you know um
3: i've spoken to peter about you know his 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 firm and you know what his dad does he was he's very humble he never really goes into depth i didn't know this is what jc Law was you know and so I as I was applying to some places, you know, I had saw I had seen J C Law and I saw what, you know, you guys were about and I saw that you guys, you know, handled several t- types of cases, uh, family law, you know, mainly. Um uh, and then I went ahead and just applied. You know, I I was fresh out of law school and I wanted to see, you know, how this was. Um I've always been interested in family law and it's it's one of those those departments and those fields that, you know, you really get to connect with the client, you know, and you really get to help them in a very intimate level, in a
0: very individual level. Um, so, when they come to you in a very fragile state, and I mean, it's, it's a lot to kind of, that's weighing on you. So, it I mean, is, so it's a lot to take in.
1: It really is a privilege because, I mean, you get to talk with these people about things that they wouldn't talk to anybody else about, right? right. I mean, it's just, family law is probably one of the most intimate areas of law uh, in any legal field because it's concerning your kids, it's right. concerning your wife, That's concerning your your home. I mean, very, very intimate aspects of people's lives. And it really is a privilege and an absolute honor to be able to talk to people and help them through
3: these situations. Right. It it is. It is. And I mean, you have to play a role of a therapist. And you're also learning down the job, but you you soon pick up that, hey, they need you. And then Mm -hmm. there's so many things that you could do for them. Um, And it's, you know, every case is different, but at the end of the day, it's each case is special and and they have their own concerns and we have to make sure that, you know, that's their needs are met, so it's just one of those things that every day is different, you
0: So let's talk about you a little bit, Tyler. All right. So what actually brought you to JC Law? Interesting enough, so I was bouncing around different types of agencies, just more marketing focused, working with a bunch of different small businesses, that sort of thing, and then JC Law popped up on my Indeed. And Came in and I was like, I don't even know if I really want to work with attorneys, man. Like, Mm -hmm. you know how. I know, but you know what the, the, (laughs) everybody comes out and they're like, yeah, they're so rude, all this stuff. But it's like, I I came in and I met with Jim and discussed with him for about an hour. And even after that, I just sat there and I was like, you know what? I want to give this place a shot that I believed in what he was saying. Mm -hmm. And it kind of motivated me to be able to come in and bring sort of my expertise and whatever we need to do to get to that next level so it, it was kind of just a sort of a you feel it out and initially you were like I like kind of what I'm hearing so let's try it out and then I never look back and I'm still here today so
1: how do you, th- how do you think you've grown because I know you've been a, a, an integral part of the growth here at JC Law Jim's talked about it Lisa's talked about it um, how do you think you've grown since you got here
0: yeah so I mean it's it's been crazy and the first I remember my first day and it was just trying to get through that day all right what do I need to get done Mm -hmm. and then kind of as thing as we've been moving and as we've grown it just opportunities just kind of presented themselves like this podcast kind of Mm -hmm. diving full in to be able to uh, create this so that we can have an outlet to give to our sort of prospective clients or any sort of anybody that's interested Mm -hmm. so it's just kind of uh, It's been sort of a land of opportunity. He always kind of says there's always going to be opportunities down the line. You just might not see it right now, but Mm -hmm, I mean, it's just being, it's speaking to that a little bit where it's like I came in one week, thought I was doing one thing, two weeks down the line, I'm doing something completely different, adding another skill to my repertoire, that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. So it's a little bit of that, but also the freedom to be able to try new things. Like we're always trying to innovate here, try to do, things differently and see if it works out and then go from there and if not go back to the drawing board and tweak it and Mm -hmm. that's definitely sort of what drew me here is just to be able to kind of create your own lane and then kind of make it your own so well we're definitely glad you showed up yeah (laughs) speaking of innovation
1: i'm speaking of innovation what do you guys think about the new lawyers and (laughs) TikToks?
3: man (laughs) i think i think it's an amazing day you know, um, I think it's amazing for the for the kids nowadays, and I think it's amazing for the field. Um, I mean, you're you're bringing this, this, you know, what used to be thought as hard, very difficult, tight, um, you know, stale. You're bringing it to light, and you're bringing fun to it,
1: right? It's kind of humanizing lawyers a little bit, right? Right, right. Because I mean, people like you said they, they always view the profession as like. There are these people who do this, and they fall into this category. And TikTok is kind of, not just TikTok, all social media has really changed people's perspective on a lot of different fields, a lot of areas, politics, uh, different professions, but especially the legal field, and has humanized them and who they are. And there's some people in the legal field who see it as negative because they see it as a potential for ill advice. Uh, people give general advice to people, and that can be a, definitely be an issue. True. But at the same time, I think it's definitely... Bringing to light certain issues that we have in the legal field that people need to be aware of and things that they should either go
0: to the legislature about or just discuss and keep back their mind right it's right. a fine line right i mean you want to kind of toe that line where you want to make this easily digestible or something that resonates with the younger generation but you also want to be correct and come with the exact yeah. information so i mean <laughs> i can kind of see there are some attorneys, there are some lawyers that are doing it correctly, and then you can kind of see other ones that are executing as well. It just, it kind of depends, a lot of it depends on the personality too. Yeah. If you're a smart time uh, lawyer just running your own firm, it might make sense for you to make a TikTok to connect with potential clients, that sort of thing. So sure. there's definitely an opportunity for it, but you just kind of have to figure out which which way you want to go Right. It, so I mean, and, and some attorneys obviously, you
3: know, give, give advice, and some attorneys are just, this is my day. You know, I woke up at 5 right. this morning, I went to the gym, and now I'm putting on the suit, you know. But that's also amazing to see, you know. We're
0: we're just like you. Mm-hmm. If you guys have ever thought of us as anything else, but we're just like you, you know. Um, well, I mean, you're a client coming into this, you see this giant office, and you're getting a little intimidated, and then you've got somebody in the suit sitting across the table from you. You don't know what to think, but it is, that definitely is a, I guess, a hurdle on some of the clients' minds when they come in. It's like what you want to, from the attorney's mindset, you want to make that humanizing, make that connection right. because mm-hmm. at the end of the day, that's what will get the job done for you and the client is just making sure you guys are on the same page and that relationship is set. So, so, I think we've talked about that before too. It's, it's all about relationships, right, you know, whether it's
1: the judge, the, the client's I think that's what we do so well here. Is we really relate to the clients uh, as much as possible. We try to create relationships and understand their life, not only from a legal perspective, but also from a human perspective. Right. Yeah. And going back to the the legal thing on TikTok, <laughs> so we're gonna say this is not legal advice. <laughs> All right, We're not giving any legal advice. This is don't construe it as legal advice. This is just general discussions about the law, and how it impacts society, and how it impacts people working here at JC Law.
0: But. perfect. No, I think that's a good part thank you so much for joining us we really enjoy getting to know you and I think the audience does as well Um, but yeah so join us again for the next episode coming next week um, we'll be taking a little different spin going more into a criminal offense spin so uh, kind of keep a lookout for that and uh, we'll see you guys next time see ya